Even before health care reform passed into law, more and more patients turned to health information websites and online communities for more than a decade. But at least one new venture seems to take patients a little deeper and further. It's known as Patients Like Me. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is James Allen Haywood. Mr. Haywood is co-founder and chairman of Patients Like Me, which was recently named by CNN Money as one of just 15 companies that will change the world. An engineering graduate of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Mr. Haywood entered the field of translational research in 1998 when his then just 29-year-old brother Stephen was diagnosed with ALS. Since that time, he has pursued scientific and business innovations to advance patient care in the field of personalized medicine, to name a few. In 1999, Mr. Haywood founded the ALS Therapy Development Institute, the world's first nonprofit biotech company, where he served as CEO until 2007. He is a published author, speaker, and investment advisor whose efforts have been profiled in publications ranging from The New Yorker to The New York Times, Science Magazine, and 60 Minutes. We're so happy to have him with us today on ReachMD. Jamie Haywood, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Bruce, it's a pleasure to be here. So if you could just give our listeners, uh, we have a lot of physician listeners out there, give us a uh, description of what patients like me is and how it got started? Well, you know, the, the story of how it got started is actually it's sort of one of those great sort of Reese's Pieces style stories, you know, which is, you know, two great tastes that, that worked well. And, and what it was is I was running a clinical trial in ALS, looking at the effects of two different drugs. It's a phase two study. And we were dealing with all of the normal delays and complications and issues that you deal with that because you know, the drug companies and the IRBs at the institutions. And at the same time, I was actually in the process of getting divorced, and I was looking at online dating sites. <laughs> and so, you, you know, you're on Match.com, and you're looking at characteristics such as hair color and the other elements when you're trying to match that. And so the idea came out about thinking that these are really clinical assessment tools, or they could be. And so... What evolved from that point in time was sort of the specification, the concept of how you could comprehensively think about and measure disease so that you could really accomplish a couple of really great objectives. One is that people could share all of the great ideas that they were trying, or even the not-so-great ideas. And then you could observe, because you were using really well-designed, clinically rigorous tools, whether or not those things were having an impact on the patient. And you would do so in this open network so that you would both be observing the change in what treatments did and able to connect to other individuals like you so that you could really share and deal with the empathy and the dealing with the disease. And it, it sort of has grown from there to be more than that, but that was the initial impetus. And so about how long has it been operational? And give us an idea of the universe of patients that use this. So we're, we're, um, we're about just, just under five years old, and we launched our ALS community uh, about four years ago which was the first community we launched. And we've got now, I think, 16 conditions, including diseases like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease. We have a very comprehensive mood disorders community that includes depression, anxiety, bipolar disease, as well as uh, OCD and PTSD. And all of these things together sort of have grown to about 60,000 patients, I think, is our current numbers. And, and some of them we have really quite amazing longitudinal data. So we've got, you know, you know, three years worth of data on MS patients and, and what happens to them over that period of time. Okay, so let's just say I'm bipolar. I want to talk to other people who have this problem. 
what are the privacy aspects or is it a case sort of like Facebook where sort of the privacy idea is thrown out the window because these people just want information and they want help? So the privacy side of it is sort of interesting. So I think the way it works is if you join the system, anything you share, and we, we talk about sharing as being the primary thing that people do, anything you share is shared with everyone else with your disease. And in, in the case of MS, there's 17,000 patients. So this is a very large network of individuals that you're sharing the information with. And that includes you know, all the treatments you're on, the symptoms you've experienced, how you're doing with your illness. Uh, in the case of bipolar disease, you'd be looking at how well you're doing each day. We actually, add, you know, we give a tool that allows you to assess your, your instant mood. And then a battery that looks at the combination of depression and anxiety and, and other components, emotional control issues that you deal with with this illness, including mania. And that's all open. And what that means is that you can look across that and say, you know, show me someone else that, you know, that has my condition and also uh, is experienced this particular set of symptoms. So, you know, that could be uh, a back pain that, that accompanies, you know, people with severe back pain that are also bipolar. So you can really narrow it down to someone just like you, age, gender, and all my treatments. And that's the power of an open network. Now, the trick to privacy on that is you don't use your name. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have your name or your email or any of that information on there. But I think the nuance that's really, you know, that's important here is that in this new world of, you know, these connected databases, you know, I, I think we're very uncomfortable about telling anyone that it really is private because if you share enough information about yourself, you can be found and, and, and you can be matched. And we've never had that experience, but I think, I think people really have to understand that this is really about providing a gift of being open and sharing their disease in a community with people that want to do that and, 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 and care about the illness. So it's not for everyone. And I, I think that's an important thing that people have to ask. If the disease reached a point, if it's something that you care about enough that you really need the help, you know, part of the cost of admission is being vulnerable to the other people without illness. They would be, could be found out, you know, like their age, their gender, all those things. And so if I'm going on there and I'm a 43-year-old male and I have a certain condition, somebody else in the room is going to know me and say, oh, you know what? You have similar traits like I have. Has your doctor ever said this for you? Do they have conversations like that? Yeah, and it's actually very detailed and rich. So, so for instance, you know, someone will be having problems with, say, uh, spasticity in multiple sclerosis, and someone will look at them and say, listen, you know, you're on the lowest dose of this drug. You should talk to your doctor. Maybe you could make that a little better. Or one of the things that I really love is that a patient will talk about some issue they're experiencing. And another patient will say, hey, well, you know, you're on these two drugs and there's this combination that can cause that side effect. And so you should check that out. So that, you know, if you think about the complexity of managing a disease oh, yeah. and taking four, five treatments to manage an illness, as well as the supplements and other variables as lifestyle changes, and the intersecting that against all the other variables, you know, your weight and all that stuff, there's no way you can do that in a normal engagement with a clinical architecture. You know, the 15, 20 minutes that you get, it's not possible to cover that range of information. So this 24-7 environment allows you to talk to other people. And because of its connection across all this information we share, the person that had the problem you're having is there. Why are they willing to share this information? Are they frustrated with the healthcare system? Are they not getting better? I mean, it's very personal information. It is. I think there's a couple of appropriate misunderstandings that people have about healthcare. And sort of one of the first things I do when we're talking to someone about the site who's not experienced with healthcare is you have to ask, ask the question, have you ever had anyone you care about who's really been sick? And have you ever helped them through that experience or have you been through that experience? Because if they haven't, you know, we have all these assumptions about healthcare. So, for instance, 
you know, when I call up Domino's Pizza and I want to order my pizza, they have my cell phone number in there and they remember and they remember where I live and they connect that information and they track that and they even know what kind of pizza I like. So we assume that healthcare has sort of technologies that are perhaps as advanced as Domino's Pizza does. But the reality is they don't. In fact, they don't even know what they did in the next room. And so I think that what we really see in people that are experiencing real life-changing illnesses is that they're viewing this as a way of protecting themselves against a system that really, really doesn't contain any strategic information about how to manage their disease or how to care for it. In fact, one of the wonderful things our site does is it lets the patients print out a sheet that describes every treatment they're on, all of the symptoms they've experienced, their side effects, you know, and, and they can take that to their doctor with them. We call it the doctor visit sheet. And, you know, about a third of the patients that do that, and they say it makes the whole visit more efficient because, you know, unlike that 20-minute interview when they ask you what you're doing, it's there. It's already connected. Well, that was my next question on how it changed the nature of the doctor-patient relationship. And I, I would think that the physicians having a written record in front of them, that would be helpful. You know, we've had 20 years to bring technology to healthcare. For whatever economic, psychosocial reasons, healthcare is just really not embracing technology from a information standpoint. There just aren't information platforms in healthcare that really understand how you're doing and to help you understand how you might do. So what we're doing is we're giving the patients the tool to bring that to the healthcare system. And if dealing with the healthcare system or dealing with healthcare issues is a major part of your life, you know, you really want to know. It's like, you know, imagine trying to run your bank account without ever knowing whether the checks that went in and out. That's how healthcare is run now. And so we give people the tool to understand their own illness in the context of everyone else. Well, if you're just joining us or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. And with me today is Jamie Haywood. He is the co-founder and chairman of Patients Like Me, uh, which is a company that is bringing patients together, will you, online to talk about their diseases, help manage their diseases. And uh, if you could, uh, Jamie, if you could tell us a little bit about what's done with the information. I mean, how, how is this helpful to other people? Is, can it be used for companies for clinical trials? Or what, what is, how is the information used by the company? There's two primary people that, that we serve with our information. The first is the patients themselves. It took us a few years to really come down to this as the, as the mission of the company, but, and I want to just sort of state it quickly because I think it's really important. We want to answer for a patient the following question. We want to say, given my status, what is the best outcome I can hope, an important word, to achieve, and how do I get there? So in that question, that's the mission of our company, to deliver that answer. So to do so, you have to sort of measure status. You have to look at the range of possible outcomes. And you have to describe the journey and whether that journey is changes in diet or lifestyle or pharmaceuticals or surgical, all of those elements. So what we do for patients is we do our best to put that information in context. Am I normal? If I am depressed and I'm an MS patient, is that a normal thing or is that unusual? You know, if I have back pain and it correlates with my oscillating depression, is that normal or unusual? So those are the things that we help patients answer that question, you know, the status and the context of the status. What's going to happen to you? So we do our best to use the history of all the other patients to share what might happen in the future. So if you're an ALS patient, here's the curve that most patients go on. And, and here's what you can expect in the future for good or ill. It's just as best we can to understand the reality and the probabilities of that. And then the journey, how do we share collectively our choices for how to manage that, which is really, since, you know, if you think about 15,000 patients in MS or in, in that order of range, you're talking about the best practices of thousands of leading neurologists 
distilled through the site through patient understanding for how to manage the disease. So it's the best journey. So that's what we do for patients. And I, I would say that we are just beginning that journey, the potential of what we really want to do, which is to really transform this into a learning healthcare system for patients themselves. Well, you say on your website, for example, when patients share real-world data, collaboration on a global scale becomes possible. What does that mean and how is that playing out? I mean, is that, is that working? We have how Australians treat multiple sclerosis, how they manage it in India. I mean, this is sort of, you know, even though we're still about 75, 80% U.S., this is an international site. And as we expand into more language, you know, you know all the studies that show that there's such variations in things, how, how frequently surgery is done and C-sections are done between different parts of the country and the varying prices for those things all over the country. We normalize that. You see the total experience. So do they normally, you know, do they use the same treatments or more effective treatments? We learn collectively. So I think that changes that. That's the global scale. But the, the other customer here, though, that I think is really important is you know, we've gotten so concerned about conflict of interest and all these other questions that we've really disconnected the patient from the companies that make their products that might make them better. You know, and that's the drug companies that make the treatments. That's the wheelchair manufacturers. I mean, you know, one of the things that we should have is the patient should be able to tell the drug company, hey, this drug helped me, or this drug caused this side effect that you don't know about. You know, I had this adverse event. I, you know, you want that relationship to be directly with the person that makes it. I mean, imagine buying a car and never giving any feedback or hearing anything about it or connecting to it. We just, we just don't work that way in the rest of the world. Yeah, and we've seen that with Vioxx where things were not being reported to the FDA. Things were not being reported to the FDA. And if Merck had had relationships with the people that were taking its drug, you know, I mean, the Vioxx story has two tragedies. One is, is that many people suffered cardiac complications and potentially died that might not have had to. But the second tragedy is that actually a really wonderful, powerful drug that helped people in pain left the market because we didn't identify who really needed it. Every patient knows the range of the best choices for them as an individual in comparison to every other patient in the world. And then rather than doing trials and all of these processes that are slow and distracted, it's a real-time learning system. And then it iteratively gets better and better at managing and treating disease. And to do that, we have to connect the data on everyone. And I think that's the really exciting beginning of this journey that we're on. Well, with that, I would like to thank Jamie Haywood, who's been our guest. He's a co-founder, chairman of Patients Like Me. It's a company that uh, you're probably going to be hearing more about. Patients or physicians are going to be hearing more about that. We're so happy that he joined us from Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Bruce Japson. I've been your host on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at www.reachmd.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.